Hello, and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Our messages are designed to help teach and equip you on your journey to lead people to follow Christ. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage you no matter where you are in your journey towards Jesus. If you have any questions, want to talk, or want to learn more about Summit, visit us at summitniles.com. You take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the Old Testament. We're in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36. Ezekiel, chapter 36. Just want to thank you again for participating uh, with the, the Walk It Out series. I'm excited about the booklet that has been prepared. I hope that you're using that. We, we shared that verse again this morning, but I hope that the scriptures and uh, the experiences of taking time to pray and the opportunities that you are ma- where you're making room for for God to work in your life uh, even uh, the the times of fasting that you would experience God in a way that um, is real and powerful that <laughs> your life would be changed connected to God in ways that uh, you haven't experienced in a long time. Um, Also, before we start, let me take just a minute and say, I'm so grateful for um, the people of of Summit Church. The last few weeks, there have been a lot of things that have been happening here. Beside the regular teaching of classes and life groups and men's studies and women's Bible studies, um, a Friday ago, uh, so last Friday, a week before, uh, we held a conference here for our community, a lot of community leaders from uh, South Bend to St. Joe, Michigan, our own city, um, different, uh, uh, I believe uh, Buchanan was represented here, different leaders from our community talking about how we can uh, serve others and uh, serve uh, people in our community um, with charity. And that was, I think, a, a real learning time, I, I believe a unifying time for our community. And, and our staff here just pulled together, and I'm so grateful for that. Uh, yesterday, I wish all of you could have been here and experienced that um, time together. Uh, ladies from our church, I believe nine different ladies uh, stood here and shared their stories Um, how God was working in their lives, the things that God had brought them through is bringing them through, their faith on display. It was was good to hear those testimonies and and to have people share uh, uh, from from their lives, touching the lives of others. And again, just all the people that work together to, to make that happen. We are indeed blessed. We are indeed blessed. As pastors, we are blessed with people that are seeking God, who have gifts and abilities. Makes you kind of wonder what God's up to, doesn't it? When God brings together people of like mind and like faith with gifts and talents and abilities, uh, what all is God doing? We're grateful for that. And, and for a, a team of people, I'm grateful to be able to serve on a team of people who not only love Jesus, they know how to get work done, and 
they managed to have fun along the way. Uh, I'm grateful for, the, for our team, grateful to be a part of, of that team. I hope you are too. Um, I hope you're ready to hear what God is saying to you today. I'm not sure what all led up to your being here. Maybe it's been a hectic morning. Maybe all you had to do was get in the car and drive. Maybe, uh, maybe this morning, as a young person, um, you didn't have a lot of choice in the matter. But let me say that I don't believe it's an accident this morning that you're here, because God wants to speak to us. Would you take a minute? Just bow your head. Let me just lead you in some prayer. Would you say to God this morning, Lord, thank you that I'm here. Thank you that you got me here. Would you take a moment and just ask God, is there anything in my heart or in my life that would keep me from hearing what you want to say? And maybe this morning, in order to hear God's word, you need to stop and simply confess a sin. Or simply say, God, I've been busy and I'm tired. But today I want to give my attention to you, my mind's attention and my heart's affection and my will's determination to do whatever you say, do what you want to in me. Maybe there's something that you have planned for after the service and it's captured your attention and you simply want to say, God, would you pause that for these moments that I can meet with you? And I wonder if you'd be so kind as to pray for people on your right and your left. Would you simply say, God, and help them too? to be able to hear and to do everything that you've called us to hear and to do today. And would you thank God for his presence? If you're a believer, the Spirit of Christ lives within you. Thank him for that. And that you would take a moment and thank him for his presence where two or more gathered together in his name. And you say, Lord, I know you're here according to your word. So, Lord, hear our prayer, just in preparation to hear your word. Help us to make room for you. Help us to do whatever you say by your grace. In your name we pray, amen. Last week we started a new teaching series entitled Making Room. The focus for these next few weeks leading up to Grow 23 making room for the Holy Spirit. John's Gospel, chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17 was the text for last week. And in those chapters in John, we read about the working of the Holy Spirit. We understand that the Holy Spirit of God was was present at creation. He is eternally existent from eternity past in the present and uh, eternity in the future. Always has been, always will Uh, part of the Godhead that we know Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
He is actively, the Holy Spirit is actively calling us to a relationship with God through Christ. Christ, uh, God loved us so much, He sent His Son Christ to earth. Christ returned to heaven. He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and He will teach you all the things uh, that, that I, have, I have been teaching you. He will remind you of all of those things. He is working in us to make us more like Christ. The Holy Spirit is not an it or a force. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit is a person, person of God. The Holy Spirit is the witness of the presence of Christ in the world today. And so what should a Christian expect after salvation? After making a decision to follow Christ and being baptized, what comes next? Is that it? Is that all it means to, to, to be saved? I just want to say to you this morning, not a chance. There is so much more that if this is your first day of following Christ or you've been following Christ for many years, I believe some of your greatest days are just ahead because the Holy Spirit is alive and well. He's still teaching us. He's, he's reminding us of what Christ has taught us. He is, he is helping us live, giving us the power to, to overcome. Not a chance that this is the end. We learn and experience the reality of who God is through the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit of person, of the third person of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, according to Jesus. He says he will, he will teach you all truth. He is the, the helper, the teacher, the wonderful counselor. In John chapter 14, Jesus said that the job of the Holy Spirit is to remind us of, of what He said. We, we need the Spirit to bring us fresh, fresh revelation of the knowledge of God, to be able to understand His truth found upon the pages of Scripture. I, I, I loved uh, uh, one of the testimonies from, from yesterday was that w- when I, was, I, I got saved, and, I, and, and many of the ladies that were teaching about what God was doing in their life came as a result of understanding God's Word, getting into God's Word, having God's Word get into them, and them understanding it through uh, the, the Holy Spirit's enablement. A, a, a scripture that they would have read previously now when it's read with, with, with uh, uh, the light of the Spirit shining down on that text, beginning to understand it in a way, being able to get a hold of it in a way, being able to apply it in a way that they never had before. It's not only exciting, but this is the main adventure of, of your life as a Christian. But watch this. In order to live a victorious Christian life, we need to understand the person and the power of God's Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 26 and 27. It says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. That the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Ladies and gentlemen, we need God's Holy Spirit to help us in our weakness. Let me give you another way to think of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Christ in the Christian. We introduced that idea to you last week. The Holy Spirit is Christ in the Christian. Watch this. Because Jesus Christ is God and because the Holy Spirit is God, and even though there's a distinction, a clear distinction in the Godhead between Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, when you have Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. And when you have the Holy Spirit, you have Christ. 
Romans 8, verse 9, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. Now watch this. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. And so what happens to you at salvation is the Holy Spirit has been working on your heart and your life, drawing you to Himself. You hear the gospel and you respond in faith. You believe in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is there. And when you receive the, Holy, the, you receive the forgiveness of, of God through Christ, the atoning blood of Christ, you receive Christ as your personal Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is there. And when the disciples, <laughs> interesting enough, when the, the disciples, this, this idea of, of, of Christ and, and His Spirit, when, when the disciples were with Jesus, maybe this will help us understand it, He was in their midst. He walked with them. Jesus talked with them. They fellowshiped together. He was, he was right there with them. But at one point, before he ascended in, into heaven, he said, I'm going away. It's better for you that I go away. In, in a real sense, it's better because now he, he had just been with them, but now he said, I will be in them. The Holy Spirit of Christ lives within the life of all believers. The Holy Spirit of Christ lives within us. And so, th think about it this way. Many of us may, may have said it sometime in our lives, I, I just wish that I could sit and talk with Jesus. This last week I saw somebody posted something on social media about, it was, it was an empty bench, and if you, had, if you could sit on that, that bench and talk to anybody for an hour, who would it be? And immediately I thought, well, <laughs> that's not fair, and it looks like there's room for more than one person, and so I'm going to get two. I want, to, I want to talk to my dad, and I want to talk to my mom. They knew Jesus. Those are the two people in my life that I know that loved me. Well, they had to, I guess. But they didn't. But they did. They loved me. And then I thought, you know, I, want to, I would love to sit and talk to Jesus. There's some stuff in this world that I need to run by Jesus because I just don't get it. So I'd love to sit and talk to Jesus. The disciples, they talked with Jesus. Sometimes we say, well, if I could have just lived in that time when, when Jesus was there. He, I could watched him feed the 5,000. Or if, I, if I'd have been there and I'd have seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. Now, that would have been something. If we could have seen him walking on water, if we would have seen Jesus perform all those miracles, that would be fantastic. And, and we could see and we could feel what all the disciples experienced if we walked where Jesus walked. In fact, this morning, a friend of mine is in Israel as we speak, walking where Jesus walked. He sent me a text this morning from Israel. He said, I'm walking where Jesus walked. And sometimes you say, well, that would be so great. But watch this. Jesus says that it's even better for us now than it was for them. Watch this, John 17, 16, verse 7. He said, very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus said in, in John that he said it's good or 
Uh, one of the other versions uses the word expedient, which means it's good. It's the right thing that I go away. It means better for you. Better because when Jesus was here, he was located in a particular place at a particular time, one spot. And if he was at one spot, he couldn't be at another spot. Remember, in, in John chapter 11, Mary was kind of upset with Jesus because he wasn't where she wanted him to be. Remember, she said, Jesus, if you had only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I think sometimes in our lives we say, Jesus, if you hadn't have been here, my family would still be together. Jesus, if you were here, my loved one wouldn't have died in that car crash. Jesus, if you'd have been here, you would have saved me. That abuse that I experienced at the hand of someone else. Or, Jesus, if you were here, you would, you would have stood up for me when I was being talked poorly about. Martha thought that. She said, Lazarus died, and you can almost see her, almost see her wagging her finger in the face of Jesus when she said, Master, if you'd have been here, Lazarus, my brother, wouldn't have died, but you weren't here. <laughs> can I tell you some good news today? You and I will never ever have to say that again. Because Jesus, we'll never say, oh, Jesus, if you'd only been here. Because now he's always here. And he will help us in our time of need. Hebrews 4.16. Remember it from last week? Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. So that we may, have, we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus is here. Not just where two or more gather in his name, but he's here in us. He's everywhere in every Christian. We make room for him to work in our lives through the Holy Spirit. Now, today we want to push on in our understanding of the Holy Spirit. In Ezekiel 36, we discover the Lord is dealing with his people, Israel. Now, they find themselves in the same in a similar situation that sometimes we find ourselves in. All messed up. The Lord is speaking into the situation of the people several times in this passage. It says this. This is what the sovereign Lord says. And, and then he goes on to say something. The situation is this. God's people are being taunted by their enemies because they were in exile. The enemy is, is literally trying to swallow them up and in addition to that, just slandering them all over the place. But God spoke a solemn and a powerful word against the enemies of Israel. And it, Scripture, there's a verse there that says he had a, there was a burning zealousy, uh, or, or, or burn, he, burning, burning with zeal, or a, um, a burning jealousy. God, God, watch this, God's jealousy is hot as hell. We learn... In the Song of Solomon, chapter 8 and verse 6, you look it up, that his jealousy is implacable. In, in Proverbs 6, verses 34, 35, God's jealousy is vindictive. <laughs> God doesn't take it lightly, lightly when his people are being attacked. God looks with compassion and care upon his people. God, in a solemn oath, promised that he would save his people, that he would deal with the enemies 
of his people. And in addition to defense, he would provide blessing. In a word picture, God talks about soil that will be tilled and sown, that will produce a harvest, fruit in keeping with God who is blessing them. And in fact, a new covenant was being established for his people because the sins of the people, they had defiled their land, but God was going to restore and renew and empower them. Ezekiel 36, those opening verses talk about what God was going to do for his people in spite of the fact that they sinned, apart, in spite of the fact that they were separated from him. Look, separation from God is a real thing. There may be some today who think that unity with God is, is a set deal, that, is, that we've never been separated from God, and that's mere foolishness. Sin separates us from God. There's a gulf between where we're at and, it, it, and, and where God is. There is no way. Someone mentioned this yesterday as they were sharing, that, there's, that there's, there is no way from, from where we're at to where God is except through Jesus Christ. The doctrine of sin, understanding that sin separates us from God. And, and God is standing in the balance for his people. God's going to restore and renew and empower them. Notice God's concern for his own name and for his own people. Now watch this. In Ezekiel 36, notice verse 22. Here's what it says. Therefore, here he says it again, say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I'm going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name. Now, he is doing it for their sake, but it is also for the sake of his name. Lest they think that somehow God's just, just doling out some <clears throat> kindnesses to them. He said, listen, obviously they know they're, they're going to be, when, when God moves and he's defending them against the enemy and and, and, and his spirit is in them, that that's going to benefit them, that's going to help them. But indeed, he says, for the sake of my name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. He said, I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. When the nations will know, then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord. When I am proved holy, through you, before their eyes. That the Lord is proved holy through you to others. For I will take you out of the nations. There's this separation from the world. And I will gather you from all the countries and will bring you back into your own land. And I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. Verse 26, and I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And the idea there, you say, well, I don't want a fleshly heart. Indeed, you don't. But he's talking about the comparison, the contrast between a heart of stone that is hard and, and rejects God to a heart that is flesh and that, that is moldable that is open to what God is saying. And he said, I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. There's something that happens in the life of a person, 
in one of God's people who is full of the Holy Spirit that enables them to live and keep his laws, to live in the land. I gave your ancestors. You will be my people. I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanliness. I will call for the grain and make it plentiful and will not bring famine upon you. I will increase the fruit of your trees and crops of the fields so that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. And then you will remember your evil ways, your wicked deeds, and you will loathe yourselves for your sins and detestable practices. I want you to know that I'm not doing this for your sake, declares the sovereign Lord. Be ashamed, disgrace of your conduct, people of Israel. This is the sovereign Lord. Here's what he says. I will resettle your towns. The ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. They will say this land that was laid waste has become the Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Once again, I will, get, I will yield to Israel's plea and do this for them. I will make their people as numerous as sheep, as numerous as the flocks, and offering Jerusalem during her appointed festival, so will the ruined cities be filled with flocks of people. Then they will know that I am the Lord. What we just read about is also a foreshadowing of what is to come to God's people in the New Testament and the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit among His people. Look, in an age when God's power is all too often discredited by reason of neglect, and many times God's power is discredited even by reason of people's failure, the people of God need to be ready to point to the fact that for the sake of His name, God still moves and pours out His Spirit as a witness of His glory. Throughout the Bible, God reveals His plan of redemption through a series of covenants. After the story of the fall and the ruin of humanity in Genesis chapters 1 through 11, the story of the covenant begins. The Abrahamic covenant promised Abraham and his descendants, his covenant descendants, a, a land, a nation, a blessing to extend to all nations. You read about Genesis 12. The Mosaic or the covenant on Mount Sinai gave Israel the law, the sacrifices, the choice of blessing, or if they followed Christ, and the consequence of a curse if they rejected him. You read about it in Exodus 19. The Davidic covenant promised an everlasting dynasty, a perfect ruler, the promised Messiah in 2 Samuel 7. And then there's the new covenant in which God's plan of redemption through the covenants was completed and perfected in Christ. The new, the real relationship with God through Christ the Messiah, the subsequent outpouring of his Holy Spirit to live in every believer. So watch what happens to believers the promise of the Spirit-filled life. Ezekiel 36, verses 25 and following, the, the purpose of God is clear, to cleanse, a promise to cleanse and fill, a promise to give you a new heart and to put a new spirit within you. In the New Testament, the, the Holy Spirit initially had a, a purpose of calling people out of sin and into a relationship with God through Christ. I want to just identify a, a few quick things here this morning about the Holy Spirit. First of all, the purpose of the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the Holy Spirit, first of all, in salvation, 
The the person of the Holy Spirit has a role in salvation. The the Holy Spirit delivers, I like like the term prevenient grace, grace that goes before grace. It's that grace that that God gives to us that when we hear the gospel, how will they they know God? How will they hear and repent unless they hear the gospel? And And the grace of God, the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, when we hear the gospel, that, that, that we, we have faith. He gives us faith to believe in who he is. So before we're saved, the Holy Spirit, in conjunction with the gospel, unites to convict and convert and convince us of saving grace. We talked about that last week. The Holy Spirit is active in our being saved. The Holy Spirit is present in salvation. He convicts us of our sin. At some point we say, I- I'm lost. I'm separated from God. And then, in conversion, the Holy Spirit not only convicts us of our sin, but we hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus saves, Jesus saves, and we put our faith in Him. And the Holy Spirit is there and active, helping us to say yes to God. And then, remember, after when we're saved, His Holy Spirit is there to, to convince us or uh, to, to affirm, indeed, he said that the Spirit of God will, will, will connect with your spirit. He'll assure you that you're a child of God. The Holy Spirit is present in salvation. The Holy Spirit is also present in sanctification. So that's a, that's a big word that scares some people, but can I, can I um, help us understand this big word that literally means we need to grow in grace. It's the, it's, it's the process of God making us holy. That we're becoming more and more like Christ. He, he's sanctifying us. You see, at some point, there, there's, there's people that, that when, when they're saved, the Holy Spirit is there within them. But this purpose of the Holy Spirit is, is again to convict us of, 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 of sin and also how to live righteous. The natural man is, is, is a person who, who doesn't acknowledge or ignore or ignores the, the power of the Holy Spirit even living within them. A carnal man has the Holy Spirit but is in a continuous battle. Just so a natural man, a person who's apart from Christ, the Holy Spirit is not living within them. A person who has been saved, the Holy Spirit is, in, is within them but if he... Um, First and Second Corinthians, if you read that, it's an interesting story of, of, of pictures of, of the church. And it, if you look at the pictures of a church of carnal Christians that were living there in Corinth, sometimes it looks as if their lives um, are not much different than, you know, someone who's a natural man, an, un, an unsaved person. And so there's this idea of carnality, a battle between the will of man and the will of God. Paul identified, say, listen, how does that happen? A person has been saved, the Spirit of God lives within you, and yet if you've lived the Christian life for any length of time, you know that there are battles that you face. You accepted Christ as Savior and Lord, but there still are battles that you face in your life. So Paul describes that in chapter 7, Romans He's talking about the, the, the battle that's going on. He goes, oh, what a wretched man that I am. The things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. He also then, thankfully, 
in Romans chapter 8. <laughs> thanks be to God. You know, there's, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And thanks be to God who gives us the victory. And, and he, he talks about in, in Romans 8, living for Christ. So a believer, soon after being saved, doesn't take long for one to realize the battle of the wills. Who's on the throne of the heart? Who's, who's, who's on the throne in your heart, in your life? Uh, I've, I've mentioned it this way before. If God is your co-pilot, you're in the wrong seat. It's like, listen, I'm saved, but I'm still going to live my life my way. There's a battle. The picture of that's played out for us in the book of First and Second Corinthians. Carnal Christians who don't look much different than out-and-out -out sinners at times. But there's, there's, there's hope <laughs> for the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. There's a spiritual man who's someone who has yielded their life to the Holy Spirit, someone who is who, who has filled with the Spirit, who's, who has the Spirit living of God, living within them, not just as resident, but as president. It's a life marked with victory over sin and the fruit of the Spirit. It's the picture of Romans 8. More than conquerors, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We obligate ourselves not to the flesh, but to the Spirit of God. Minds governed by the Spirit, which leads to life and peace. Minds set on what the Spirit desires, free from the law of sin and death, alive into Christ. The Holy Spirit is present in, in, in sanctification. It's, it's a part of um, His plan. Now watch this. There's, there's a process to this. I want you to see the process of the Holy Spirit. Seeking Christ, receiving the Holy Spirit. So, so I want the Holy Spirit to, to be active in my life. The Holy Spirit is given to all those who believe. So you seek Christ. He, he, he comes to you. you. You hear the gospel. You respond in faith. In salvation, you receive Jesus Christ. In sanctification, you receive the Holy Spirit in, in the sense where he's saying, listen, I, I'm going to yield my life to him. It's Paul saying, I'm going to die daily. It means I'm going to pick up my cross, I'm going to walk with Christ, and, and the battles come, and the Spirit will prompt me to do one thing, and the flesh may prompt me to do the other, and I'm going to choose the Spirit. And, and look, you need the Spirit of God to help you do that. The power of God in your life. We understand that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. He literally lives within us. Our faith became something that moves us, moves us from it's something that's monotonous to all of a sudden it becomes momentous. It's not something we endure. Our faith is something that we can enjoy. It's a process. Seek Christ, receive the Holy Spirit. Then there's this separation from sin. Sin grieves the Holy Spirit. We repent, we turn around, we head another direction. Paul said it this way, do I go on sinning so that grace may abound? No, deal with the sin. Repent. So that times of refreshing may come. Surrender your will. Sin grieves the Spirit. And disobedience quenches the Spirit. We declare dependence on Christ and His Holy Spirit. We die to self. We turn to Christ for help. You can't... Look, we're, we're past this idea of thinking that we can save ourselves, right? You cannot save yourself. It's a gift of grace. You are saved by grace through faith. What is so astounding to me is people who will say to me, of course, I cannot be saved by my own works. I'm saved by grace through faith. Somehow, try to make themselves holy. So you are saved by grace through faith, and, and this, this, this idea of being made holy is also something that you can't do for yourself. People say, well, listen, 
I'm saved, and so I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to do all this kind of stuff. The scribes and Pharisees had all kinds of rules and stuff that they thought they would try to do. It doesn't work. You can't make yourself holy any more than you can make yourself saved. But you can submit to God. There's some things you can do. How are you saved? You, have to, you repent. You believe. And then God does his work. We say, how am I going to yield? How am I going to be holy? How am I going to be more holy? How am, I, how am I going to live by the Spirit? You declare dependence on Christ and his Holy Spirit. You die to self. You turn to him for help. And you, you say, God, what I can't do for myself, you're going to have to do for me. You're going to have to make me holy. You know what? There's times when it comes to decisions in life, I don't want to do what God wants me to do. I don't know if that's ever, it's happened to you. I know it has. It's happened to me. I don't want to do what God is wanting me to do. I don't want to act that way. I don't want to live that way. You know, I'd rather punch somebody in the nose than live with kindness. I'd rather take matters into my own hand. I want to do things my way. Do you know that sometimes the best I've offered to God is I'm not willing, but I'm willing to be made willing. And God will take it and he'll begin to do something to me that I couldn't do for myself that I worked on for I don't know how long. And I say, God, I'll just, I'll at least tell you this, I'm willing to be made willing. I'll surrender my will. I'll die to self, turn to Christ for help. You can't make yourself saved. You can't make yourself holy. It's a gift of grace. Our obedience to God is yielding ourselves to him. Now watch what it takes, though. It's a complete commitment. <laughs> Again, the Holy Spirit isn't a force, an influence. He's a person. He takes every part of me. I have all of him at salvation. But does he have all of you? In your spiritual house, where can't he go? Some say, oh, Holy Spirit, welcome to the porch. You can come into the kitchen. But I have a closet. You don't get to go in there. It's a complete commitment. You make up your mind. It requires continual control. I love when the, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5 is talking about being filled with the Spirit. <laughs> he, knows, he knows this stuff leaks. The Holy Spirit leaks. He says in my life, he says, be ye being filled. You're filled with the Spirit of God. And then you wake up the next day, or maybe it doesn't even take that long, say, Lord, I need your spirit, I need your filling here again. Continue. It's this process of making holy and dying to self and 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 moving forward. It's continual control. It's a conscious claim. Lord, it's for me. My response is to believe in salvation. My response is to receive in sanctification. Say, Holy Spirit, the filling, by the way, you're after, not the feeling the filling, be filled with the Spirit. There's, a, there's an old hymn, an old hymn we ought to sing. You ought to memorize it. You ought to have it in your life. It goes this way, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. You are the potter, I am the clay. Mold me, make me after thy will, while I am waiting, yielded and still. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Search me, try me, Savior, today. Wash me just now, Lord, wash me just now, as in thy presence, humbly I bow. Have thine 
own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Wounded and weary, help me, I pray. Power, all power, surely is thine. Touch me and heal me, Savior divine. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Hold. This is where it takes a total commitment and a conscious claim and continual control. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Hold o'er my being absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see Christ only always living in me. I want to talk to you about the promise of the Holy Spirit. He said, I will come to you. I will come to you. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, remind you of everything I've said to you. He will come to us. He will teach us. He will bring to our minds and our hearts what we need when we need it. John 15 when the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. He says, I will come to you. Here's something else about the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit. He said, I'll never leave you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. See, I, I'd rather walk with God in the dark than go alone in the night, in the light. I'd rather walk by faith with him then go alone by sight. He said, I'll never leave you. I will come to you. I'll never leave you. We talked to you for a moment about the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, what does that look like in my life? Here's some of the evidences or the fruit of the witness of the Holy Spirit. You see, the world is going to see through you the power of God. Prophet Ezekiel talked about that. He said, the people are going to see. What, what, would people, what should people expect to see from someone who's walking in the power of the Holy Spirit? One, power over sin. The Spirit of God has been given to us that we have power over sin. Don't make room for sin. Make room for the Holy Spirit. You can have a pure and clean heart, a broken and contrite heart, a set-apart heart, a spiritual heart, a heart that is like Jesus, a heart that hates sin, a heart filled with love. You have power to, be, to say no to sin and yes to the will of God. One of the things that a Christian has, you don't need to be a weak or an anemic Christian. You can say no to sin. You can say yes to Christ. You have power over sin. The power of the Holy Spirit also is reflected not just in power over sin, but power in service. A witness. Last week, the women, or yesterday, the women were talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Power in service. That, that the Spirit of God would be lived out in your life. You would give witness to the fruit of the Spirit for prayer, for effectiveness, power in service. And and, and again, power of the Holy Spirit, proof of, of fruit, Galatians 5. Some of the fruit of our lives, there's, there's an understanding of when, when God has loved me and saved me from my sin, there's a sense that when you look at yourself and you say, whew, the burden of 
guilt is gone, and, and, I, and I'm not facing the wrath of God. And you look at yourself and you say, Whew, thank goodness for me. But I will tell you that one of the things that the Spirit of God will bring to your life um, will not just be, Whew, thank goodness, um, you know, I, I'm not guilty of sin. But in your relationship to God, there will, there will be a sense of, a con- of constant um, adoration. Constant adoration. In your relationship to God, say, so listen, it's not, God's not this person that, that saved me and somehow now I'm a taskmaster too, but in your relationship to God, a person who's walking by the Spirit of God, in your relationship to God, there's constant adoration. In your relationship to circumstances, there's constant appreciation. Instead of being humbly, uh, uh, you know, instead of being humbly grateful, many times people are grumbly hateful. In your relationship to circumstances, the Spirit of God said, listen, this might be tough, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. There's a peace that passes understanding. There's a there's, there's not just even a, just a love for God, but there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a, even an appreciation for circumstance. Listen, this, this is not good, but I know that God is with me. Relationship to God, constant adoration. Relationship to circumstances, constant appreciation. And relationship to others, constant accommodation. How do I say it? The Holy Spirit of God in us ought not to be at odds with the Holy Spirit and somebody else. We, we learn to develop better shock absorbers in life in dealing with people. In relationship to others, there's constant accommodation. You're saying, well, I'm saved and I love Jesus. I'm just not that holy. I know. I know. I'm there with you. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. I'll remind remind you that none of us are holy. Only God is holy. (laughs) Holiness, you're not going to make yourself holy. Holiness is not the way to Christ. Christ is the way to holiness. Bring your life to Him. Turn it over to Him. I'll remind you again. Well, team, come up and be ready to lead us in our last song. Um, so we said, well, I'm going to leave that to you, Pastor. I think the deacons should probably get a hold of this, maybe the elders. But the Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm going to take that kind as optional in my life. It just doesn't work that way. I know for some of you, well, let's just talk about sports cars for a moment. You say, well, I really like Ford. And 
So I like, I like those Mustangs. Somebody says, oh, I like Chevy. I'd rather have a Camaro or a Corvette. And somebody says, well, I'm a Mopar guy. I, I, I want a Dodge Challenger. Somebody says, that's crazy. Um, you know, I'd rather have a Lamborghini or, you know, I drive a Porsche. Somebody else says, well, I drive a Ford. Yeah. I don't care what your flavor is. Take it or leave it. Some say, well, it's not sports cars. It's just sports. Go Irish. Go blue. Somebody says, boiler up. And what do they all have in common? Well, they're great football teams. Somebody says, who cares about football? I, wanna, I like basketball. Take it or leave it. It might not be sports cars. It might not be sports. Maybe it's sandwiches. Big Macs, that's where it's at. Quarter pounder, french fries, icy Coke, thick shakes, sundaes, and apple pies. You know? Don't go there because I like the Whopper. And somebody else says, "Well, but I'd take uh, you know a Wendy's double any day and take it or leave it." The only problem is with the Holy Spirit. There's no take it or leave it. This is air I'm talking about. This is the air I breathe. Apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, you die. The people around you die. They don't see the work of God. They don't see the power of God demonstrated in your life. You shrivel in your faith. What he give him, what we give him, he takes. What he takes, he cleanses. What he cleanses, he fills. And what he fills, he uses. I wonder this morning if you just bow your heads. this morning you would just simply say to the Holy Spirit by faith I yield my life to you now dear Holy Spirit I've been saved by the blood of Jesus by grace I've been saved through faith Holy Spirit you live in me but now Holy Spirit fill me possess me live your life in me and through me I commit myself to you let my will 
aligned to your will. I want your way to be my way. I will jump one more time onto that potter's wheel and let you shape me. How I think, how I feel, what I do, who I am. You make me like you. And Holy Spirit, I'm going to need you to do that in me. And I commit myself to you today. Now I wonder with your eyes still closed and your hearts bowed before the Lord. You would just take that step of faith and say, oh God, you've heard my prayer. I submit myself to you. Do it. And maybe this morning, with just a simple up raised hand, say, God, that's me. I want to live my life for you. I want to be a person controlled by the Spirit of God. Take my personality, let it be spirit controlled. Take my talents, let it be spirit controlled. Take my life, let it be spirit controlled. I'm making room for you. Be my teacher and my guide. Thank you for living within me. Now, live your life through me. This morning, just with an upraised hand, you'd say, Lord, that's me. I want, I want that in my life. Maybe this is the first time. Maybe it's the, the daily time. You say, oh, God, I want that. I want that. Fill me again. Fill me fresh. Lord, I believe you've seen our hearts. You've seen our hands. You've seen our lives. We submit to you. Lord, what you're going to do here, in us and through us, for your glory, so that the world would know and bring fame to your name, Lord, is what we want. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Walk in the, in the power of His strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Summit Church Podcast. Again, if you have any questions, visit us at summitniles.com. Now go and be the church in the world.